all this earned media that Gabrielle Hansen is getting is probably going to get her elected. I, I think there's a point of diminishing returns when you have neo-Nazi groups running security at public mayoral forums and you end up on national television. The fact that you or I know who the name of the I challenger agree. for the mayor of Franklin, town of 90,000 people, the fact that we know who that is is not a good sign. So you think she can win? Absolutely. I don't know if you know this or not, but flooding the zone I, of I, stupid is a fucking strategy. I'm curious to see if someone is willing to lean into all the garbage, all the, the Nazi stuff, all this just absolute ridiculous hypocrisy, and take the earned media, and can they win at a local level like that? Because it didn't work in 2022. That's, to me, the interesting part of it. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to do something. Welcome to PBN. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Jamie Holland. Don't follow me on X. All right. So a new airport authority overlay map as reported on by the Tennessee Journal. We'll get to that today on the show. We've got the the Franklin mayoral race making national headlines. Uh, we obviously have a tragedy in the Middle East, but we're not going to talk about the specifics of the, the war that's taking place in the Middle East. We're going to talk about social media here in Nashville and how you can be a part of the solution on social media. We've also got some affordability, housing concerns, and questions that I know are deep deeply rooted in your passions over there, Jamie. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and of course, we've got the mayoral transition taking place. I thought one interesting note about waste management in there, as you like to say, lowercase w, lowercase m, uh, in terms of the future of our trash collection. Uh, and of course, the education task force is set to meet in November. Some details on that. I know a ton of people are asking me about that. So we'll try to get you a little information. We did spend a little bit of time on that. Do they know you host a podcast with me I, where we talk about such subjects? I was a little hurt, actually, by a few good friends who came to me and said, can you guys please do an episode on education? And, and ironically, our last two episodes... We you go check out Kelsey Byler's episode last week, but the episode before that, so two episodes ago, we spent 10 minutes on what this whole state review task force, you know, $1.8 billion, maybe turning it down, what that could or could not actually be best case, worst case. So I said, guys, funny thing. We, we got a show about that. You should go check it out. But I'll read Well, we do have some news there, so we'll get to that as so well. They, what do you talk about with your close friends other than... Tell, not telling them you have this podcast. Only the most exciting things. Zoning. Zoning codes. That's what it is. Um, okay. And, we uh, need I, more housing, Braden. I'm glad your friends are talking about it. We do. Uh, public transportation is a big one. Uh, I apologize for my voice. Forced family vacation. And I'm, we apologize for being out a little bit late this week as uh, Metro schools were out for fall break. And I was out of town. And I was screaming at a football game as I indoctrinated my two small daughters into... The, the burden of being a University of Tennessee alumni and football fan. So they did get to see Neyland Stadium in its fullest form, and it was quite it was quite a memorable day for me personally. So I welcome your daughters to the misery of being a Vol fan. Yeah, they're they're confused because Tennessee won the game. Uh, I was hoping to teach them a lesson of disappointment early in life, but that did not happen. So they had a great time, and so now they're locked in for 
two lifetimes of revenue given to the University of Tennessee. So uh, there you have it. Okay. If you would like people to review the show, Jamie, and, and give us five stars, where should they go? On Apple Podcasts, you got to scroll all the way down. First thing it says is ratings. Click five stars. If it's not five stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Five stars. Let's go. And hey, somebody, you don't have to do it anonymously. You can like leave your real name or your handle to your account on X. Just saying. I'm going to go down with the Twitter ship here. I know I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle as. Media everywhere. They're, they're, they're even dropping the comma formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> it's bothering me. I don't like it. Uh, okay, so quickly here, I thought this one. I'll set you up for this one. The educa- you probably still call it Steiner Lift, don't you? I have no idea what that, that means, but oh, I do appreciate gosh. it. Uh, so the Education Task Force is the, the state. It's called the Federal Education Funding Working Group. Eight Republicans and two Democrats. Uh, they are going to meet the only real news here because again so many people in my life are worried about this is the only real news they're going to meet five times in the first two weeks of november so i I guess they're going to look at all the different the quote-unquote strings that are attached which i i find to be a weaponized term of course republicans say there are too many regulations and restrictions which i find to be cute and then of course democrats say there's you know there's no way to know uh, is this money going to be stripped away from essential programs for our most vulnerable students? Essentially, we, we again, we've covered this. Uh, disabled families, uh, English language learning families, and low-income families in rural communities are the communities that get this money the most. If you want more, see previous two episodes. But I do believe that we'll have some news middle of November, probably, is what it sounds like. So five meetings. That sounds like a lot of meetings. I mean, I know 8.1.8 billion dollars a lot of money but five meetings in two weeks seven million people in the state more work is that too much to ask of our government oh i'm, I'm I, all for it okay that's fair my bleeding heart does not go out to uh the people who run this state that need to do work to make sure it runs well i'm okay with well th- those members asking them to do more work what just make ha- those members like to come to nashville and get a per diem <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you it's a thing every day from Cookville, perhaps? No, I, you'd be surprised to learn that one of the persons that gets more per diem than anyone is from Shelby County. I was going to say, what about the guy who tried to shoot out a car? There's a few members that uh, sleep in their offices. Well, there you go. Uh, anyway, I just we'll, we'll know more at the end of at the middle to the end of November. We'll have a little bit more information. And again, if you want to know best case, worst case, two episodes ago, you want some more education conversation, last episode, uh, there's a chance that this is all just politics. And if that's the case, that's probably your best case scenario. But go go listen to an episode. Um, all, all right. I, I want to get to the, the housing here. But there is there was an article by Stephen number two, which, by the way, we should tell folks is Stephen Elliott of the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene. Uh, no, Editor. Editor. And a big article about all the memos that have been passed from the previous administration, John Cooper's administration to Freddie O'Connell's administration. And a lot of interesting stuff in there. Uh, I, I, I want to just, here's what I would, I would assert to folks about this particular part, because there's, it's a really interesting look into how people communicate from one administration to the next. The things that are put on record, these memos are things that people are going to see when they, you know, years from now go 
pull this information from somebody. What really matters in a transition, I would argue, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, is the amount of conversation and communication that's taking place on a more regular basis in terms of person A running one rule, one, one department, one section, person B taking over that role, how much are they communicating about what is ongoing in that particular department, right? How many meetings are you having? How many conversations are you having? Those things strike me as more important than just, here are five recommendations I put down on a memo for sort of the sake of history. Does that make sense? Well, it's kind of like, you know, letters from former presidents to the incoming president. Like, here's where the bodies are buried. It's kind of like, hey, if shit goes bad, blame me. That's what a responsible, outgoing mayor would say to the next one. Hey, if it screws up, blame me. I'm easy target. I'm gone. Can't do anything about it. There's a lot of stuff in the story. I recommend going and reading it. Uh, Stephen Elliott did a great job. Here's what I will say. There's one really interesting note I'm going to get your thoughts on from Kendra uh, Abkowitz, who is the Chief Sustainability and Resilience Officer. She is being retained in that position. 26 positions, by the way. I think there's a, a worthy conversation if that's too many, too little, too few, just the right amount. She'll be retained in that role. Interesting note about trash. I'll, I'll ask you that in a second. But here's here's the the good news, I think, for the city of Nashville. According to some folks I've spoken with, not one single meeting took place between the 2019 transition of David Briley to John Cooper. Not one single meeting. There were memos. They were memos, but no meetings. I have been told that there are, have been almost double-digit meetings in this transition. There have been more conversations. The current administration, the, the previous administration stayed over a full week extra to, to sort of help with the, the transition process. All of this to say, it sounds like the transition is going much better in 2023 than it, it was in 2019. My point is, I don't know that it matters in 2019 or in 2023, but she, one of the trans, one of the people that was in the Cooper administration staying in the O'Connell administration is Kristen Wilson. And she's the chief of accountability. At least that was her title under the Cooper administration. And she was helping in, you know, you didn't, she wasn't in the media a lot, but she was trying to streamline the operations of the metropolitan government to make it more efficient. She's part of that. Staying on, that's the key ingredient to know everything that was going on other than, you know, telling some people we'd like to see this initiative carry on. You know, obviously it's up to you, but otherwise I don't make too much of it. Well, why would it not matter? Like, again, even just reading Stephen's piece, you get this, this scope, even just the memos gives you this massive, expansive scope of a ton of detail or like tiny little things that are just happening everywhere, right? This park needs that. This community center needs this. This... Like there's just a million things that are happening in a, in a, in a large metro government. They can get that all, they can get all that information with the first meeting they call with all the department heads. You know, all the department heads are coming okay. downtown right. to meet with the mayor's office administration and they can relay that. Sounds like government bureaucratic busy work to me. Having conversations to help writing, transition write, process. Writing a fucking memo. Oh, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the memo is purely for like some random historical purpose to put your own thoughts on record. What I'm trying to say is that the meetings and the conversations and the overlap of the individuals trying to help transition and streamline that transition process is what matters. And that it didn't, it doesn't sound like from what I understand and from who I talk to didn't happen at all in 2019 and is happening far more now. Hopefully that means a smoother transition and they can prepare because a lot of these memos are about 
hey, y'all get ready for January when the, the new state assembly session takes place in January. Well, a lot of folks are just like, y'all need to get ready for that. Th- that team of people that were advising and lobbying for or against legislation relative to or to preempt the metropolitan government did a really terrible job objectively measuring it. So what good would talking to them have to do with anything? Okay. I see your point. Uh, Kendra Abquitz, as I mentioned, chief sustainability and resilience officer uh, under the Cooper administration is staying on. And one of the things I thought was interesting in the story, she wrote in her memo that a key priority is quote, analyzing the impacts of forming a standalone waste service department. O'Connell of course has hinted at that effort Uh, As he's said before, quote, it will probably be at least a year effort to get all the legal arrangements and staffing arrangements to make solid waste not a part of our Metro Water Department anymore. Moving waste services into its own department, good or bad? I think it's generally good. I need to know more, but previously, waste management, little w, little m, was under the Public Works Department, and the Solid Waste Board is housed underneath the public works department which is now known as NDOT. those provision of those services was transferred to the metro water department why well because they engaged the solid waste board engaged in a consultant to create a 10-year solid waste plan well what the solid waste plan basically say well we need to charge people to pick up their garbage that's called a pay as you throw program And inside the USD, where we live, garbage collection is included in your property tax. Well, it was transferred to the water department because they have what's called an enterprise fund, a.k.a. they can start adding garbage collection to your water bill. It may not be a different, may say water and garbage bill in the future. Who knows? So it may not be like line itemed on your on your bill. It'll just be all one big bill. (laughs) I'm saying it could come in a separate bill or it could come in multiple bills for garbage collection for the pay as you throw because what experience has shown at least in nashville are recycling times and collection amounts are pale in comparison to what's needed particularly because we're not gonna have a landfill that takes our garbage in davidson county very much longer five five years i believe is what you've said on the show before at the end of end of this year middle point is no longer going to take davidson county garbage uh, for a total side note here, because you mentioned two bills, which drives me crazy because Metro water forces you to pay to have paperless billing. What are we doing? Like if you're going to send me two and then you're going to make me pay twice for two. Okay. That's a totally different subject, but it frustrates me that Metro water is the only one that makes you pay to go to paperless billing. All right. Uh, anything else on the, on the, the transition slash waste management? I thought that was interesting that they could, they're working on developing their own waste department. So keep an eye on that. Three consecutive Axios newsletters you would be very proud of, Jimmy. All about affordable housing. Three different stories tied eventually directly back to affordable housing. One was about the Other Nashville Society, which is sort of a, a network of creatives in the city, whether it's record producers, musicians, writers, whatever, and how they're getting squeezed out of the, the community. Where have you heard that story before? Whether it's police, whether it's teachers, now the musicians in our city, which are all tied directly to the history of the fabric of this great place, are all being squeezed out because guess what? 
They can't afford to live here. Can't afford to live here. So that's one that 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 was like a Thursday newsletter from Axios, basically saying, "Listen, we got to be careful because small music venues are being squeezed out, small record studios are being squeezed out, no places to rehearse, no places to write. All these things are sort of squeezing these folks out of out of Nashville, and it, it's a pretty uh, standard story at this point. So that was story number one. Story number two was a national study from Bankrate reports that affordability issues for first-time home buyers are essentially like 44% of people don't have enough income, 43% of people cannot get a down payment, interest rates are off the charts, but basically millennials cannot buy houses because of affordability. And Nashville, of course, is right in the middle of all of that with, with, with high prices and very little affordable housing. I was 20, I don't know how old I was this year, I was 27, 26, when I bought an affordable housing unit a 634 square foot affordable housing unit in downtown Nashville, one and a half blocks from Broadway. I made less than $35,000 a year. Therefore, I was eligible for the price point of that apartment. That has allowed me to build equity for the next 15 years of my life and allowed me to build the house and live in the home that I have now. If you walk around downtown Nashville right now, that person cannot find a home. 26-year-old me at under $35,000 a year cannot find a home. Are your rooms in your house big enough for your daughters to come live in? Oh, God. For how long? I, I just, I, <laughs> I, no comment, Jamie. <laughs> how about you? How about yours? You're, you're, you're much closer. You're much closer to college graduation than I am. I got years. We might fix this housing crisis by the time my daughters need a house. That's what I'm trying to do before I die. I know. Or my utility in this town runs away. So tell me if this is, this is some good, there is some good news. Third straight newsletter from Axios. Go subscribe. No free shouts. Uh, apartment vacancies have reached a 20 year high in the city of Nashville and across the country. We are building a lot of apartments, which is, I guess, a good step. So therefore, the more, obviously with supply and demand here, the more supply you have, the lower the prices come. You're starting to see those two, three months of free rent being thrown on for people to sign these these leases. I do believe it's, I mean, you can build wealth by renting, give up your car. There's a, there's a guy in charge of the city famously gave up his car, but he wasn't renting though. It, that was to pay the mortgage. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, it's hard to build wealth when you're renting, but there is some good news and maybe a little bit of relief coming in that the rental market seems to be loosening up a bit for the city of Nashville, but three straight Direct ties to housing from Axios. Axios, welcome to the resistance. Well, everybody's figuring it out. This impacts the lack of housing affordability impacts the city in meaningful ways. And right now it's been not good for several, several years. We there was also recent reporting that nineteen percent of the land downtown is dedicated to parking, which brings up another point. People ask, oh, you know, Jamie, you're talking about burning the zoning code. Yes, I am 100%. We need to burn it. But, like, you got to have a 20-foot rear setback, a 60-foot front setback, 10-foot side setbacks. We're wasting a lot of our land that could be used for the construction of housing. You know, whenever you hear You're not talking downtown with those setbacks, though. You're talking about... No, I'm talking about... Neighborhoods, right? Yeah. We, okay. We, we got to have housing affordability all over the place and 
the reason the zoning code needs to be burnt because NIMBY is baked into that process. The entire rezoning process is set up to kill more housing being built. And tell me if any of you listening have heard this before. <laughs> and so, you know, oh, well, I live somewhere where it's got a contextual overlay. Well, generally what that means is you want all the houses on the street to line up their front of their house to be lined up all the way. Well, how many, how much more housing could we put on that lot if you didn't have that stupid bullshit? I get it. A five-foot setback on the sides for life safety in the event of fire, you, it burns one house down instead of two houses down. Sounds great. But anything over five in the front or the rear, it's just a waste of land. And so that eliminates the possibility to have more housing, which is the more housing we get, what's happening, Braden? The rental prices are going down. Well, that's great. What's well, been on a steroid high for years. Right. I don't want to listen to those folks. Oh, my God. It's We've got to give away these concessions. We've got to give away free rent. Well, good. Right. No shit. Right, exactly. Yeah, we're all for it. Well, let me ask you this, because I, and I hesitate very, very greatly to ask you this. Um, cause we've talked a lot about this particular issue. We'll have an entire episode dedicated to this and take particular issue because there is, it's starting to come around. I think people are using and talking about it more in their daily lives. Just, Hey, understanding that schools, teachers, police, safety, music, culture, everything that we've mentioned on the show eventually ties back to giving a place for these folks to live in the community, making it better. And then it's housing. And then the transit's tied directly into housing. You have to have that. You have to have density to get to the transit. It all, I, th I think people have, are starting to get all of this stuff and how it's attached. You can't, and I think we had a bunch of candidates in here for mayor say this, one code fixed, it doesn't sort of apply to every neighborhood though. Can we do it piecemeal? What is the perfect solution? And I don't want you to spend 38 minutes here. I want you to spend, give me the three minute like elevator pitch on Hey, coming up on a, on a new episode, we're going to talk about this in more detail. Is the, is the solution just figuring out which neighborhoods need X? I know you're anti-corridor to some degree as well as like the only focus of it's how just, we fix it's, this. It's just lazy. Yes, we have to have more density on the corridors. Duh. But we got to have them inside the corridors too. And putting a whole lot of density on the corridor was shitty transit. Transit. Right. Like, we're putting people in the worst possible position for their life. You know, look at Dickerson Road, Gallon Road, how many people getting run over and killed by cars because they were dared walk across the street. We can't just do it there. It needs to be inside every neighborhood. People should start out. Yeah, we can have more housing right there. And guess what? It can be, like, more than two stories tall. We have to go up. We're not going to get bigger. We have to go up. Go up in the air. Let's do it. But how, it, how it would start is filing a bill with a caption that says a bill to reform the zoning code of the metropolitan government. That's how it gets started. And that would, and then the city council takes it up and debates and goes from there. That would have, right? would have various community meetings to bake in where all the NIMBYs are going to come out. It's time to put up or fucking shut up. We've we've reached a crisis state by constant inaction. This became a major talking point in the mayor's race in 2015. Well, what happened since? Yeah. Oh, well, let's upzone the corridors. How about we upzone existing properties if they want it 
upzone them, and then that person can sell it, get a windfall, help the tax base, and new housing gets built. Holy hot damn. Let's do okay. it. All right. Uh, again, whole entire episode coming. You didn't want to? Uh, that's my brief answer. That's all I wanted. That's all I needed. But I thought, I thought, look, you got musicians being squeezed out. We've talked a lot about police and teachers being squeezed out. And now we've got rent coming down, which is, again, a positive step, but a very tiny incremental step, sort of like building 1,000 new units of affordable housing a year when you need to be building 6,000 units of affordable housing a year. So I just wanted to, you know, Axios, Nashville, Nate and Adam, welcome to The Resistance. Do appreciate it. Well, you know, to the audience, to the extent they hadn't read it, I would encourage everyone to read it, is Arbitrary Lines, How Zoning Broke the American City and How to Fix It by M. Nolan Gray. Start there. We mentioned this to a couple of candidates about there are some cities out there that are doing away. They're just doing away with single family zoning altogether, which is a pretty drastic step. Well, I think that's not allowing more single family zoning. But in the last term of the council and maybe even the preceding term, particularly outside the UZO, which we call Basically, the UZO is urban zoning overlay. That's the 440 Briley loop. Let's call it that, inside the loop. Outside of the loop, if your rezoning plan wasn't for single-family housing, it it wasn't getting approved Yeah, because the neighbors raised mortal hell about that. And there's organizations, do-gooder organizations. Imagine the emphasis and quotation marks on that and my look on my face when I say that. That are like, oh, we're, we're for neighborhoods. We're for keeping our neighborhood like, well, no shit, you are. Duh. Not needed to be said. You don't want more people to have fucking housing near you. Yeah, we all, yeah, that's. You want your property value to go up. Nobody's threatening to eliminate it. Damn. We got to stop. Uh, a follow-up episode that will be coming as well that could be tied directly to all of that right there. Metro Council size being reduced to 20 in 2027. Also an episode coming very soon. Uh, one of the few lawsuits that I might actually, we might actually convince a few people is okay. Like you don't need to file that one, old Metro Legal. That one may not be the one you need to fight. We'll see. Uh, speaking of Metro Legal. Because look. Oh, you messed up my transition. <laughs> Come on. Because look, we can't even get the fucking water department to issue stormwater grading permits. It's a black hole. And if you're a builder in this town, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's a black hole. Like we, Meaning people file building permits to go into this system, this process, and the system and the process sucks it all in and never gives us the results that we need in a timely fashion. Correct. Okay. Which increases what? The cost of the construction, delays the project, magnifies the crisis. We have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And right now, we can't. So in order to hit those big picture, reforming the zoning code, allowing more density all across the city, we got to be able to get the basics done. Okay. Can I, can sorry. I, can I do my sorry, thing Sorry, now? sorry, sorry, sorry. Three, two, one. Speaking of Metro Legal, they filed their fourth lawsuit against the state, Sports Authority Takeover. Now, also, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, according to Eric Schelzig of the Tennessee Journal, there is a new overlay map of the airport authority which is two of the four lawsuits one of them of course is about the size of the metro council the other one's about the threshold for voting to renovate slash 
tear down the Nashville Fairgrounds. Of course, you were a part of that, so we're not going to talk about any of the other ones because, again, we'll get to the Metro Council size in an entirely different episode at some point moving forward. But the Sports Authority one and the Airport Authority are interesting to me. The overlay map is in the Tennessee Journal. I go go check it out. Basically, and I'll let this is your 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 world here, so I'll let you kind of run with this because it, it basically just it gives the airport authority inside this designated zone the ability to make decisions on permits and the obvious stuff that makes sense. Hey, don't build a building too tall around a landing strip so a plane hits it. That stuff makes sense. That stuff is is very normal, and I think we all agree should be a part of this. Are there? I think the uh, the concern is that there's a chance that the airport authority now controlled by the state could eventually use this overlay map and zoning control to maybe influence or are people, is there, is this something people are going to overreact to because it looks real heavy handed when it's really not? Well, I think everybody rushes to clutch the pearls and hit the outrage machine button on X. Does it flame now when you hit the like button? You mean the heart? Thanks, Elon. So under current law, ignoring this change that came about, it's being litigated. The airport authority had a map, presumably. I haven't seen it. haven't found it anywhere. If anyone has that map, <laughs> at J.R. Holland on Twitter. X. X. I'm uh, not, not going to do it. I'm not going to switch. They controlled heights of buildings. Now... In the codes department, if you went down to the codes department, they'd just type in the address and it would tell them, based their city work system, whether or not that property was in the overlay or not. And that would mean, you know, a height restriction. And under that's under Metro Code laws. And then under the state statute that was amended that's subject to this litigation, it said the airport authority could make recommendations to the legislative body relative to height and use and whatnot. My, my guess is you don't want a, a bird sanctuary also anywhere near the airport. That's my, another good example. In addition to a tall building, you don't want a bird sanctuary out there. But the map, I think, is leading people the wrong way due to the size of the boundary created in the map. But the statute... Which, by, which by the way, the map touches, it goes all the way from Cheatham County to Sumner County to Rutherford County, to Williamson County, to Wilson County. You might as well just call it a county map. It basically covers Davidson County minus a few districts. So. Because there's a B&A out in the Hermitage Donaldson area, and you got John Toon Airport out in West Nashville. One's commercial, one is private. But the change would allow the airport authority to regulate aircraft hazards, compatible land use, and other factors impacting the safe and efficient operation of the airport. I don't know what the fuck that means, but I know this. <laughs> the local legislative body, in this case the Metro Council, relative to zoning and land use, that's an exclusive power of the local legislative body. How that plays out in practice to you is because the local council has designated their authority to handle certain things like the coast department, like the board of zoning appeals. I'm skipping the planning department mostly now. But but important for people to know that the Metro Council ultimately has final say 
on land use zoning codes, etc. And the statute starts out by trying to eliminate that notion, notwithstanding any general law or charter provision to the contrary. This particular airport authority would have this power. Now, are they going to say, oh, how's that going to play out in real time? Well, the codes department would punch in the address. Yep, it's in the overlay map. You probably need to go to the, get approval from the airport authority, which I don't think the airport authority knows exactly what they're getting into when that's being suggested. That's why I think it's probably not real. There's 15,000 building permits issued by the coast department in the last year. I, I, I don't think the airport authority has the staffing <laughs> desire or the money to get into it. You know, is this a longer way of saying height restrictions can be a part of the airport authorities profile and maybe the use of birds sanctuary all around the airport? I don't know. I, I think there's more chicken on the bone there for us to figure out. But on the surface, it would suggest that they have, they're getting land use authority. And I just don't think that can be given by statute to the airport authority in circumvention of the powers of the local legislative body. It strikes me as one of those similar conversations to the education conversation, which is best case, worst case. And I'm always sort of looking at incentives as motivation and trying to track those to their, their logical conclusions. And I think people, if you're looking, if you're reading this on the surface and is there a way that the airport authority could actually help remove a layer of bureaucracy and maybe expedite some building processes, even if they're not really, if they're not really the body to your point that has the staff, the time, the money to handle 15,000 permits per year. Is there a chance that it removes a little bit of that and actually expedites some of these processes to help the city continue to grow in the right possible way? Because the, the, the airport itself should want Nashville to continue to grow as much as possible in a smart and orderly fashion, because that's good for their business. But at the end of the, 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 the conspiracy side of this, that is watching this state and Metro relationship and the tension between the two groups, you know, I'll just go to the simplest example that I can think of, which is Murfreesboro Pike being a dedicated transit lane. And one of the first places that we actually can legally and physically build a transit system, or at least the beginnings of a transit system, is there some kind of backroom, smoky room game here, cynically, that, that the airport authority now has some control or power over? Is there a system of checks and balances within the metro government that is important to have? So I, I see sort of the both sides of, of the arguing without us having enough information to truly digest the actual law. And, of course, it's still being fought right now in court. So we, we have a long way to go on this one. Well, there's also a provision in the bill that says if you know if one of these provisions are declared unconstitutional or illegal, it can be eliminated. And so, if it was declared that that part was bad, then it could be taken out, and the whole the rest of it remain. So, so you're not worried about the state overreaching, using vague language to to take this authority and, for whatever motivational reason, control some of the building in Nashville. No, okay, that's, that's and, and even if I thought, you know, cause I, I, I'm agnostic, um, 
how it happens. I just want more housing to happen. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There could be a positive here, right? But I, I wish I could say from a speed, efficiency, utility standpoint, we had a law that said if you meet these two or three conditions, then boom, you can rezone, upzone your property or a builder's remedy. I wish we had those things, but we don't. But this doesn't say, oh, my God, the state's going to take over right. lane use and zoning in Nashville. No, I, I, I don't see that. I think the bulk of the statute, and it was inartfully written for sure, but I think the bulk of the statute was to give the airport authority powers of eminent domain surrounding the property of the National International Airport for the purposes of expansion, expanding a runway so they can put more gas in the plane, give it longer to take off so it can fly internationally. Uh, also a concern for people with houses and businesses and other things in the area. So also a concern there. Uh, but that was kind of already part of the process. Yeah, I mean, the, the FAA, the F, there's federal law and there's FAA policies and regulations, too, relative to the bird sanctuary that I was talking about. Like, it's more than just city zoning Yeah, when you're talking about airports. You know, nobody wants to allow, some, you know, somebody to build a 50-story tower, 50 tower out there right next to BNA. It's not going to happen. Right, and, and it goes, I, I would say, I do think, like, the growth in the Donaldson area is interesting because planes fly over there a ton they use that in and out but it's also growing so so much and again this is just as a person who drives through there and uses the neighborhood a lot i see a lot of the growth i see a lot of the development it's good to see that like there's so many great places to go hang out over there now and and, like i take the kids over there but there's always planes so that's where you see a community in the airport maybe not i don't want to say like coming against each other but just you have to exist somehow with an airport that is this big with this much tourism and it just it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, this, this there's no risk of the town being run by the airport. Right, right, right okay. exactly. Uh, they're not going to be like, no, you can't build this big, giant, beautiful, affordable housing building in North Nashville. It also it's not going to happen. I also think that they want a mass transit solution down Murfreesboro Road and tied into the East Bank and all those kinds of things. The people running the airport want that. I and P.S. Sure the, right. the Metropolitan Nashville version of the Airport Authority. They haven't met since July. All the meetings while this litigation is going on has been conducted by the new board. I thought we had our own board. Yeah, but it hasn't met since July. You know, you and I. I thought you and I had a third board. Well, third and fourth boards. Okay. Easily online. You know, you can create your own airport board if you want to. The the home rule thing is the is the is the statute, of course, where you know the state cannot target a single community essentially with a law, and. I think what's interesting is that this is sort of being applied to all of these different these four lawsuits that this the city metro legal is now filed against the state and what's interesting about like the sports authority lawsuit was filed last week we all we've talked about it on the show we kind of knew it was coming it's about the landlords and the, the sports authority is the landlords for all of our venues that have a lot of impact on revenue and 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 everything else Do you know how where the authority to create a sports authority came from the state of tennessee yep i know okay i i think uh there could be a bit of an overreaction. I do. I again, the number is thirteen. The mayor still gets seven appointees, and six are appointed by the state in from various different people. That, that thirteen-person board then controls all of our sporting venues, which is again huge revenue streams, all kinds of other stuff. Am I okay with them having two, maybe three voting 
voices on the on the board because of the five hundred million dollars that they have committed to the Titan Stadium development. Sure, give them something. My ultimate question, though, to you is: I don't know what what actually comes of the lawsuit. Like, are they just trying to take all thirteen seats back? Is that what Metro Legal's doing here? Just hey, we want all thirteen seats to be ours so that we can control these these venues. Which, by the way, as Nate Rao pointed out on a previous episode are being run at a world-class level. Not city, not state, not regional, not U.S. class, world-class level right now, currently. And I think there's a lot of people that think if it ain't, ain't broke, don't fix it. That's fair, but I, I think state, to the extent any board or commission would need or deserve or warrant state members, I think the sports authority is one of those boards or commissions. And, you know, as part of the East Bank, state put $200 million to build a new TPAC, Tennessee Performing Arts Center. It's currently... The, the cultural community they want to build, right? The cultural campus. Campus, that's right. I screwed it up. And so that's $700 million we're talking about now, state involvement in the East Bank alone. So should they have? Probably so. Uh, again, I'm cool with like two, maybe three. I just don't know. Underst- I don't understand fully the, unless they take full voting control and have seven, I'm not sure what the difference is between one or five or three or four or six or two. I, and le- the concern as, as we talked about previously is that they, they take full control. And when they do that, if they do that, then we have a very different conversation. So I guess this is just a, you're trying to build the preemptive legal wall. It doesn't really apply to any other community, Jamie. So, well, so why, that's that's the old home rule thing. Why why are all these bills becoming law? See above. Maybe that legislative team that everybody said was a priority in January really did suck. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, so keep an eye on that airport authority overlay. Uh, and again, if you've got the current map of the overlay authority, please shoot it over to us. Uh, uh, so not found on the planning commission website where what are found? Overlay maps. Overlay maps. And this goes back to our education like it's if you are a concerned citizen in this city, it is. We make it so complicated and hard to find information that you may or may not want or need as a parent of a school child. Or that's why you need to you tell know. your close friends and family that you have this podcast. To talk I about do. These subjects. You don't think I tell people, and they all. If you know me, if you're close enough to me, you're like I'm not. I don't want to listen to you talk more, Braden. Like that's not what they want. They don't want that. My wife's like I can't listen to you talk more. That's not. I got enough of you at home already. Uh, okay, so speaking of uh, my friends asking me, uh, we were on vacation this week with a couple from from Franklin, and uh, the, the, I just got to say, last week tonight, it's one of my favorite shows. Uh, I watch it pretty routinely for almost a decade now on HBO. John Oliver does a great job highlighting a, a lot of important issues in our country, but I did not expect to see, Jamie, the first 12 minutes dedicated to Nashville, Tennessee, better yet, Franklin, Tennessee, and Gabrielle Hansen's candidacy for mayor of Franklin. Now, what does this mean for the city of Nashville? Not a whole lot, but I've got a lot of friends and family in the area. They're very concerned, and you and I have, have, have joked about this off the pod before, that all this earned media that Gabrielle Hansen is getting is probably going to get her elected. I, I think there's a point of diminishing returns when you have neo-Nazi groups running security at public mayoral forums and you end up on national television. Who's national leading, television? Who's leading the Republican primary for president? A, a neo-Nazi? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that point... I mean, it's a good joke. I don't know what I that, mean, I, that 
cuts back it's your diminishing returns line uh, so you're saying is it diminishing returns the fact that you or i know who the name of the I challenger agree. i agree for the mayor of franklin town of ninety thousand people the fact that we know who that is is not a good sign you for think the incumbent can, so so you think she can win absolutely no matter the, the crazy shit you just feel flood the zone I don't know if you know this or not, but flooding the zone I, of I, stupid is a fucking strategy. We're going to get to the zone being flooded with misinformation and how dangerous that is uh, in just a second. But uh, listen, I think not a whole lot of people vote in these elections. I think it's like 3,000 gets you, put you in the winner's seat. Well, a couple of days ago, WKRN reported uh, early voting is surging in Franklin. That could mean one of two things the Nazis are out in force uh, or the old. I guess I'd call them like traditional conservatives, the folks that like were my father growing up, sort of the compassionate conservative and whatever liberal big chunk of the liberal population down there have now come together and said, no, we don't want the crazy lady, in my opinion, as mayor of Franklin. I, I just thought it was and, and Phil Williams, uh, of course, of News Channel 5 was featured prominently on John Oliver. It just the number of times that Middle Tennessee has has crept into the national media conversation, which I don't is not a way to gauge what's happening in your community. National media is governed by rules of execution that require engagement. The medium requires you to stare at things and be engaged and to react. And so I'm not suggesting that it's perfect. But last week tonight's a pretty good show. It does a pretty good job of trying to call it how it is. And for the first 12 minutes, you know, HBO did a whole thing on the way down church. Like it's just the, like the school board meetings over the last couple of years, we've made a lot of uh, headlines nationally in middle Tennessee. I find it, I found it very alarming to be looking at Gabrielle Hansen's face on my te television screen for the first 12 minutes of a show that I watch for other news. The, the crazies use the government access channel to promote their craziness on at front of various boards and commissions across the counties of this state shocking shocked i'll tell you can't believe it for those that can't hear it in his voice i'm not sure you're all that interested in talking about the franklin mayoral race <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh god it's stupid I, I will say i think it's but i won't be surprised if she wins i think that is the interesting thing to keep an eye on here is because she's not backing down from any of this shit. <laughs> she's like all in on all of it. Uh, I'm anti. I'm anti Pride Parade in Franklin while while my husband wears a American flag speedo in Chicago. Like, totally it, fucking on brand, Braden. Again, one hundred percent on it. brand. Look, go for it. Do whatever you want in this world. Just quit fucking telling me how I'm supposed to live my life. Either anyway, I'm just curious. Hypocrisy is the coin of the I realm, gotcha. Braden. I got you. I'm curious. I think the most interesting point is about. Can all the noise in a, in a local election that is much smaller, 90,000 people voting for a mayor, mayor in, a, in, a, in a suburb of a larger city, I find that to be the interesting scientific part of this. That's the interesting thing for me is Kent does, does that Trump thing you're talking about where all noise is good noise, all attention is good attention, flood the zone with, with complete garbage, which we're going to get to in a second. A lot of positive things about Hezbollah coming out of Trump's mouth lately. That's hilarious. Hamas. No, no. Hezbollah, too. Okay. He's talking Hezbollah. And 
which geographically is in a different location than Hamas. But anyway, I, what I think is interesting is that piece of this is because all the election deniers lost in general across the country in 2022. All the Trump-endorsed election deniers that are leaning into all this stuff that you're talking about, most of them lost. I'm curious to see if someone is willing to lean into all the garbage, all the the Nazi stuff, all this just absolute r ridiculous hypocrisy, and take the earned media, and can they win at a local level like that? Because it didn't work at, in 2022. And I'm, I'm, that's, to me, the interesting part of it. Well, Because you're, st you're still saying she's got a chance. So. News Channel 5 is mainstream liberal media in nashville coming down here to conservative franklin to air our dirty laundry well i mean she's making it awfully easy it, it's almost like she's doing it a la hamas to provoke a reaction that has a boomerang effect and people go, go further and on people that, who've, who've I'm never try to get the Hamas people reference. who've never vote. Well, I think the Hamas strategy was to get an over response from Israel to unite the Muslim nations across the country, uh, across the world. We're not there yet, but that's At, interesting. Yeah, I know. That's interesting. Uh, are people going to be voting in this Franklin mayor's race that have heretofore never voted before? You know, just like in Nashville, we had an uptick from early vote to election day yep well a certain good percentage of those were new voters you know they had never voted in a metro election and they didn't even vote in the general they just voted in the runoff is she bringing out a lot of voters on both sides notably on, on more on the neo-nazi side is what I, I was I thinking don't think, about i don't think i okay maybe this is super super naive i don't think in my heart now not i get it not all nazis wear wear it on their sleeve i get it but there's just not as many people that are Nazis that are like, ah, let's just like not hate each other. Wasn't the Proud Boys with the Smashville flag just up here at our Capitol recently? I, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, uh, that's what's interesting to study about all this. That's what's so fascinating to me. And again, we're just sort of adjacent to it all. But it's fascinating to me to watch someone refuse to do the most basic humane thing and just not bring the Nazis to your public mayoral forum and then denounce them and still be just as conservative as you want to be and still run on the exact same talking points, but to garner as much attention as she has, I, I, I'm curious about the point of diminishing returns just from a political standpoint. I, I'm just curious. Did she, That's what I'm studying. Did she, That's what I'm watching. Did she hire them as security or did they come as an opportunity to say, we need to go defend one of the people that no, are she's talking like, the th things we like. No, she's like represent. She is selling like an, a self avowed Nazis piece of property. She's like the real estate agent. She's like, yeah, I'll sell that for you. It, it, dude, it's not, she's, it's, it's, are you talking about the Lewis country store on this, this, is, what this is what I'm saying. Where the like, Nazis were training on the second floor. This is what I'm and saying. The proprietor of that entity says she don't, he is a Nazi. She don't give a fuck. She don't care. And I am interested to see how that political strategy plays out. We're going to see all. very soon. When is election day? October 24th, next Tuesday. Let's do it. We're going to find out if that has any electoral success in Franklin. But there's also some people running for alder person that are aligned with her. No. There are also plenty of people that are very, very conservative in elected official roles in Franklin that are 
denouncing her openly, which what? again is the bare minimum you can do. I know in, in a recent office. state house race down there, I won't say everybody that was anybody backed the other person, and that person did not win. Twenty twenty two. I just think Jake Cutler should be head of education. Um, all right, you mentioned this <laughs> better than fucking Kevin Huffman. I'll tell you that. You mentioned the. Uh, we, we've alluded to the tragedy. Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel. I we have a you. I'm sure you have an opinion about what's happening. You're a history buff. I have an opinion about what's happening. I, the thing I wanted to discuss today, because it's our podcast, and I wanted to get just get some stuff out of my system, is and this more is about a. It's more of a media conversation, and I think everybody understands misinformation and that and that the the word the phrase fog of war is a thing for a reason. It is very difficult in the moment to always truly get the exact right and accurate information about something that's happening literally half a world away and in real time. I, I guess my personal opinion is, number one, and this goes to some, sort of almost every tragedy that we see happen. A lot of times it's school shootings, unfortunately. You, you don't have to inject yourself into the conversation. If you go to Twitter or Instagram and to post almost anything... It's going to be about you getting attention because of this other thing that's happening. Oh, we're addicted to attention, I'm hearing. Shocking. That's number one. You don't have to have a take. You don't always have to go to your phone, open it up, and scream about it. You could talk to somebody in your life about it. You could talk to your spouse. You could sit and think about it on the porch with a, with a glass of whiskey if you want. Just You don't have to throw it in there and make it about you. You don't have to do that. Now, to be fair, there are there's heightened levels of security around this city right now at Jewish community centers and schools and temples because of the concerns. All warranted, all fair, totally fine. Six-year-old boy murdered in Chicago. So we should be having those conversations with your, probably offline, with your community. Next door. The, the other thing, and I think that goes, to me, that, that part of this goes to all, all things that happen. Again, school shooting, tragedy. Uh, you know, severe weather incident. Like you don't have to inject your, yourself and your take into the story. Just let it play out, learn about it, take it all in, find good sources of information to understand it better, form your own opinion, talk to people you care about, and find out what's best for your community. That's number one. Number two, two things can be true at the same time. You don't have to be Lindsey Graham in this conversation and say that we should level a community of 2 million people Gaza, Palestinians, but just just because you're a, you know, you feel like it's good politics. Sounds a lot like what happened after 9-11. You also, while you have the freedom of protest and speech in this country, very important things that we maintain, you also don't need to celebrate some hang glider on a college campus somewhere because you think you're protesting Bibi Netanyahu or some long-standing relationship between the United States and Israel. Like you, you don't have to go to the either end of the extreme and just sit there. Two things can be true. One, this is an incredible tragedy that Hamas is a bunch of terrorist assholes. And you can just say that ISIS like you can just say that you can also say number two that, and this is what I would say. I personally hope that, the only path forward in this particular situation where extraordinary loss of life isn't a thing is if Israel 
puts forth some sort of restraint because this is a thousand year old fight that has lots of context that people need to understand. I call it a biblical fight. It, it is. There is no peaceful solution unless both parties have some place to call home for lack of a better term. And there are 2 million people in an area that is more densely populated than Manhattan that has been under attack since October 7th when the terrorist attack happened. And the half of those 2 million people are children. So 1 million children is what we're talking about leveling when Lindsey Graham says the stuff that he says. So you can hold two things in your head, folks. I just want to, we can use this when it comes to local politics. We can use this as it pertains to issues in our, in our own communities. Policing is another big one. I've heard some folks, uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it representative, um, Dixie, I believe that said, look, I, I want to support local police, but I also don't want to build this giant cop city up, up in North, up, up in the North part of the County and, and spend $400 million on creating, you know, a militarized training ground. But also I want really good cops and I want to support cops and I want to pay for good cops and I want good policing. And like, you can have both things in your head. They both can be true and you don't have to put it on Twitter. I think they already broke ground on that. I think he they had, did. And yeah. nobody was there. <laughs> there was a lot of people there. There was like five elected officials. There was more than that. Uh, sh shout out. Not according to Sam Stockard, I believe, who reported that there were five elected officials there. But I'll double check you on that and I'll fact check myself. Are we talking about where they had the groundbreaking? Yeah. No, there was more than that. All right. And But what was alarming about the video and that groundbreaking is what apparently the attorney general... Skirmetti doesn't know how a shovel works. He couldn't get the dirt off his blade. This is why I, this is why I like working with you. We can go from Hamas and Israel fighting a thousand year war that ends with tragedy to our attorney general doesn't know how to use a shovel in a matter of seconds. I appreciate that about you. Some of that was for me, Jamie, and I do appreciate you allowing me to bring that because I, I think it can apply to a lot of issues. It certainly is a extremely uh, delicate, sensitive, tense issue that the world is now focused on. Number one, you don't have to have a take. You don't have to spew it into the ether. You can take time with it to learn about it. Make sure you find really good sources of information that are telling the truth about what's happening. A and also, I would say ignore the extreme ends of the spectrum on this particular issue. That Take them into consideration, I guess, but just and understand, but like two things are true in this situation. The thing is, how how are we going to know what the truth is over there? What what are our, our verified news sources? Do we got to pipe in to Richard Engel? You know, is he getting it right all the time? I, I have no idea. Um, but you say fog of war, but that also applies to, you know, shit I'm seeing every day with kids, our kids on the Internet. Like, are we asking ourselves, is this real? Well, most of the time that shit on X I think there were some letters created out of some news organization said, you know, there's since it became Elon sewer that it's harder to tell what's true and not. And most of it, yeah, especially coming out of this con biblical conflict in the Middle East, yeah, most of it's bullshit or I, propaganda. You know, yeah. Hamas is using live video, live streaming videos of some of their brutality and murdering kids and putting them in cages and murdering the elderly. It's all fucking terrible. But I, I would put it right now without knowing anything else. 
50-50 chance World War III is on the horizon. Restraint is not something we're very good at when it comes to war. No, and I, I, what's ironic, I think, is that the Israelis are, the, the citizens, are actually kind of reacting in a way that I think is the smartest possible way, which is we are terrorized, terrified, and we want a response, all valid and warranted and just and justified, but also we're blaming the authoritarian right-wing crook who is in charge, who also is now shooting 7,000 missiles or whatever back at, at Palestine. So I, I think that the Israelis in in the area are the ones who actually might be reacting the best. And if that's the case, then maybe there's hope for some sort of, uh, what'd you say? Not resistance, but like just pause to think things through and really, really make sure we're doing the right things. And it's not our country, but but we, we send a whole lot of military aid to Israel. Uh, Obama sent more aid to Israel with the, with Joe Biden as his vice president than any other president in history. You know, Tony, Tony Blinken's a good source of information. Uh, if you want to follow some good information, he's putting out good information, of course. Ian Bremmer. Ian Brenner's pretty good as well. Blinken, of course, is is working in the in the White House. So I just there are some nonprofit groups that are doing good work that are out there with good information, but just be careful on social media, be careful of injecting yourself. And uh two things are true. So Well I don't know the end, obviously, but I would almost guarantee the end of Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister once they go to their after-action reports and break it down, what happened. Well, Benjamin Netanyahu failed to protect Israelis. And, and again, it sounds like, from what I understand, Israelis are recognizing all of that. Uh, while while he is, of course, trying to, ch- if you know the whole thing, while he's, of course, trying to change the entire structure of the Supreme Court in is- Israel and remove power and give himself more power. Judges reform. While, while he is also indicted under, like, multiple criminal offenses of, of corruption. Like, there's just, you know, it's very, very complicated. But we can also be like, hey, Hamas sucks, too. Like, I just think you can do both things. You can be, you can understand all of it before having a take. Um, and I needed to just talk about it for a minute with you. So I appreciate you allowing me to do that. And for all of you for hanging out with us and listening. And and hopefully that we'll just end on a high note there, big guy. <laughs> oh, man. Surely there's something else we can end on. Uh, well, it won't be the Tennessee Titans, that's for sure. Your boys across the pond not doing well. Being a Titans fan is not dissimilar from being a Vols fan, Braden. It was just an easy transition, early optimism that maybe this won't be the case. It's limited to my college football fandom. Nope. Nope. Tennessee well, sports fan. All I know is a five-year-old needed not one, but two shakers in her hands to be as loud as possible on third down. And my other one, my seven-year-old, wanted headphones. Two very different reactions to how loud Neyland Stadium can get when it's at its peak. Either way, they both know every word to Rocky Top. And they are now indoctrinated into the University of Tennessee. The most important question is, are your girls pro-woo or anti-woo in Rocky Top? And for the record, woo is not in the lyrics. It, well, the song. it is. They're pro-woo. It is, everyone is pro-woo. They're, I don't know anybody that's anti-woo. You, you know one. You know, what polls, you know what polls at 99% woo? Woo polls real high. 
amongst Tennessee fans. Not in the song. Not that's not the, the what's the point of that? Who cares? <laughs> I will say this: they like the V O L S cheer as much. You know where you building is V O. It builds up. I, they they like that one just. They as got much. the V O L S back on the stadium now. It's all, nice. All I know is the five year old needed two hands to shake pom poms as hard as possible to make sure she was doing her part on third down for what? Are they are they back to playing it? No, God no. But they do drop the bass a little bit in the stadium. <laughs> Look, I can't even talk. I'm I'm beclemmed here. Little John making a comeback. No, uh, it was great. It was great. My my daughters are in for life now. You're welcome, you know, Dondi Plowman, University of Tennessee Chancellor. You're welcome for two lifetimes of revenue that I just created for you on Saturday. Uh, for Jamie, I am Braden. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Sorry for the delay. Again, a little fall break there. So we do appreciate you guys. Rate, review, and subscribe. Five even stars. If, even if you're not on the Apple app, give us five stars on the other apps as well. We do appreciate that. Uh, and you can get to me at Braden Gall. I love interacting, love talking. So if I said something stupid, please tell me about it. I got no problem. I, I've been married a long time. I can handle it. At Braden Gall. At J.R. Holland on X. You can follow him there and interact with him there. We do appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time.